Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of 28 Tech. I'm Angelina Draper and today we look at the recruitment industry, more specifically how technology, digital innovation and social media are changing the way we are hiring and getting hired. After the weekly roundup of the most interesting tech news stories from around the globe, I'll be talking to Eric Yi from LinkedIn. So it's not just the big enterprises that are using LinkedIn, it's actually leveling the playing field where we see more small, medium-sized businesses also using LinkedIn for recruitment because now they can compete uh, with the bigger guys because they have similar tools that they can use. And later on in the show, I'm joined by Nick Marsh from the executive search company Harvey Nash. The large mass recruitment uh, industry has gone through a massive transformation because of social media and technology. Uh, where companies are actually starting to utilize those technologies to recruit people directly. Um, and so you'd see that a part of that marketplace has been cannibalized and, and transformed. Uh, companies are inboarding recruitment teams uh, to recruit people directly. So let's get started with the news roundup. Members of the European Union in Strasbourg voted in favor of considering unbundling search engines from other commercial services. Although Google was not singled out, the Commission is investigating the search engine giant for possible antitrust violations. In some European countries, it's reported that Google has more than 90% of the Internet search market. Critics say Google gives preferential treatments to its own services. Bloomberg's Tom Giles has more on why the EU voted now on this symbolic yet unenforceable motion. Well, this is just the latest in a long, ongoing series. As you said, it's been four years. They've been trying to bring antitrust uh, a case against Google. Now, you have to, the timing here is very crucial. We have a new antitrust. This is the person who's in charge um, in the EU of ensuring that companies do not gain too much power and use that in a way that's going to hurt their competitors. Um, she comes in. Uh, Vestager. She's inherited this case, four years old, where the EU has basically alleged that Google is doing things in terms of the way it presents search results that favors its own, its own businesses and, and really kind of hurts its, its competitors. And the case has been building over the, over the years. They've been adding this. Complaints have been added. More and more of uh, Google's competitors in Europe have jumped on the bandwagon. Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba expanded its consumer offer this week by launching internet television sets that include shopping features along with entertainment. The company partnered with Higher Electronics and launched the service in China on Wednesday. Along with films and video games, consumers will have access to Alibaba's e-commerce platforms Taobao and Tmall. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that over 200,000 items will be available through the internet television, a significantly smaller number than online. Alibaba says only those merchants who have earned high reputation scores online will be accessible through the television. Internet-enabled televisions are gaining popularity in China, although the market is already proving to be crowded. Chinese search engine leader Baidu launched a TV that uses its operating system, and smartphone maker Xiaomi also sells smart TVs. Sony has developed a watch that is made of e-paper, allowing the strap and face to change design. The e-paper display is comparable to the technology used in e-book readers, such as Amazon Kindle. 
The Japanese company seems to have been testing the market as it launched the watch called Fez Watch under Sony's spin-off division, Fashion Entertainment. They ran a crowdsourcing campaign to gauge the public's interest. The watch is extremely thin and doesn't have any so-called smart features. Thanks to the lack of functionality, though, the battery is said to last as long as 60 days. There is no official release date yet, but supporters of the product through the Japanese crowdsourcing website Makuake have been told to expect their watches in May of next year. This week, law enforcement agencies around the world conducted a series of raids that targeted cyber thieves who used stolen credit cards to buy airline tickets. The so-called Global Airport Action is the third of its kind and saw over 60 airlines, as well as the travel and credit card industries, join forces with Europol, Interpol and Ameripol. In total, 118 people were arrested in 80 airports across 45 countries. Will van Gemert from Europol describes who the offenders usually are. Yeah, mostly it's not the one who wants to have a, a, a cheap uh, holiday or something. It's, it's uh, even organized crime. Even it's, it's, it's also uh, offered in an organized way to, uh, to criminals. And what we see are out of the uh, records that we have, the databases of Europol, that it's possible to, to also identify organized crime, be it drug trafficking, illegal immigration, fraud uh, committed. So... These are also the criminals themselves using the system. The Verge is reporting that Microsoft is planning to reveal consumer features of Windows 10 at an event in January. Back in September, Microsoft announced it was working on its latest Windows platform in a low-key event. Windows 10 is designed to run across multiple devices such as personal computers, tablets, phones and the Xbox One. It is expected they will also give more details about the new Continuum feature, which detects whether a device is hooked up to a keyboard and mouse or touchscreen, making it easier to switch between touch and non-touch interfaces. The new version of the operating system is said to be so different from the current Windows 8 that the company decided to skip a number when naming it and is calling the new product Windows 10. It's difficult to talk about the recruitment industry today without mentioning LinkedIn. The website, which officially launched on May 5th, 2003, has been one of the leading forces in changing the way potential candidates are found and the way in which companies are recruiting employees. Today, LinkedIn has offices around the world, is available in 23 languages and over 332 million registered members. For some people, LinkedIn is a place to find sales leads and business contacts. Others go to it for industry news. But for most, it's the place where we show off our skills and work experience. Undoubtedly, when someone updates his or her LinkedIn profile, colleagues wonder if they are planning on a professional move. My first guest today is Eric Yee. According to his own LinkedIn profile, he's the head of talent solutions for Hong Kong, Macau and Taiwan at LinkedIn. My first question to Eric was to tell me what exactly does the company do? So LinkedIn is the world's largest professional social network. We have over 300 million professionals on our platform and over 60 million in Asia. Uh, There's three reasons why people go to LinkedIn. Number one, for an identity, to build their own personal brand. Number two, to build a real-time update or uh, update but network. And number three, to go there for useful information to make themselves better professionals. And to find a job. 
to find a job, <laughs> of course. But at LinkedIn, or at least that's the way we all imagine LinkedIn. Often, as soon as somebody updates their profile, colleagues will say, "Ooh, what's he or she up to?" Yeah, it is, and you know, it's interesting because people go to LinkedIn not just to find a job. It's actually the eighth reason why people go to LinkedIn, and many companies don't really understand that concept, which is why some companies blacklist um, LinkedIn from being accessible in in the workplace. But actually, some of the reasons why people go to LinkedIn is to make themselves better professionals, to get up to date on what their network is doing, to probably find additional business opportunities, but also reading content that makes them better professionals. You have, in fact, invested quite a lot in the content part, haven't you? There's um, Pulse, I believe. And so they're, they're, I'm constantly fed articles which LinkedIn believes I should be reading. How did that come about? Yeah, so content is a big core part of our strategy. Uh, it, it's what drives a lot of professionals to come to our network. Um, Today on our network, we mostly have what we call a passive audience. So people who aren't looking for jobs, but people are actually going there again to build their own personal brand, uh, to go there to read up on information to make themselves better professionals. People are subscribing to some of our content sources like the Influencers Program. Uh, the Influencers Program allows you to subscribe and listen to what you want to hear about from leading uh, uh, CEOs, uh, business luminaries, presidents, prime ministers, and follow them and get to know exactly what they're having to say. Um, so you can say, for example, if you want to follow Jack Welch, you want to know, know how can I become a better leader or a better manager? You'd probably subscribe to him to learn sort of what are his tips for success. And tell me, how has LinkedIn changed the recruitment industry? Yeah, so what we see at LinkedIn, at least the area that I represent is talent solutions which is the way that we are helping recruiters become more efficient in finding talent. Um, at LinkedIn, really, our mission is to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. Um, and in doing so, we're allowing people um, to find talent at scale um, in a more affordable manner, um, in a way that they can find people very quickly across all different geographical boundaries. Uh, so it's really making... Um, people uh, more efficient at the way they currently find people than the alternative sources. You mentioned geographic boundaries, and I'm quite interested to know how, from a recruitment point of view, is LinkedIn being used or being perceived in different countries or different geographic regions? Yeah, so, so LinkedIn um, is being used in many different countries all over the world. Uh, we have uh, our platform in 23 different languages, Obviously, we just released the traditional Chinese language recently. Um, earlier in the year, we released the simplified Chinese language as well. And so we're allowing more and more people to access this platform to communicate with each other in different languages, allowing people to find their dream jobs, um, perhaps in different parts of their own country, but also in different parts of the world. The importance of the language has been particularly noticed for the Chinese market. Um, how is LinkedIn doing in China? LinkedIn in China is growing extremely rapidly. Um, in China now, we have over 6 million professionals, and it's one of our fastest-growing countries in the region as a result of being um, having our platform in Simplified Chinese, uh, but also we've hired a president of China earlier in the year um, who's looking after our China operations. Um, so that market to us um, is one of the fastest growing and one of those markets where we have um, well over 6 million professionals that are engaging with each other, 
um, sharing information and looking for opportunities all around China, but also outside of China as well. Are there certain industries where LinkedIn seems to uh, be a, an optimal tool for recruitment rather than others? Which industries are the ones that prevail? You know, at least for Hong Kong, um, we haven't seen any particular industry um, more um, successful in using LinkedIn. Uh, we see it being equally used across multiple different industries and different size companies as well. So it's not just the big enterprises that are using LinkedIn. It's actually leveling the playing field where we see more small, medium-sized businesses also using LinkedIn for recruitment because now they can compete uh, with the bigger guys because they have similar tools that they can use. But also from a branding perspective, which is very important, um, a lot of small, medium businesses in Hong Kong perhaps aren't very well known um, in the region. But now that if they can focus on growing their employment brand, making that strong, they can attract people to want to work for them rather than working with um, those bigger named companies. What is the relationship between LinkedIn and recruitment agencies? On the one end, you're competing with them, and yet you're working with them as well. Yeah, so we see at LinkedIn that actually uh, to hire people, there's really three tools that we see out there in the marketplace. Uh, we see that there's job boards traditional job boards that have been around for many, many years. Uh, we see agencies and recruitment firms as well. And then we see ourselves as a third tool uh, to find people, to hire people as well. Um, naturally, you would think that we are out there to displace some of these other tools, but we're not. We're merely here to enhance that. There's, a, there's an opportunity for job boards. There's an opportunity for agencies. Uh, and we also see opportunities for ourselves. Um, in, in the marketplace. And we work with some organizations where um, they're working with the other tools as well. They just use LinkedIn as a way to supplement their hiring efforts. And just about all of our listeners will most likely have a LinkedIn profile, which is, um, as we've seen quite often, people use, for instance, Facebook for their social life, their private life, and LinkedIn for the professional. What are some of the suggestions and tips you would recommend people to have um, to really boost their LinkedIn profile and their visibility? Yeah, we must remember that on a social network, at least for LinkedIn, it's a professional social network. So the way that you represent yourself, it's important to represent yourself in a professional manner. So when we talk about some of the top tips about what you should do on LinkedIn in order to portray yourself as a professional, number one is to have a photo up there, but not just any photo. You want to have a photo that's professional in nature. You want to have a photo where if you see this person and you meet them at a cafe or for coffee, that you would easily recognize them. Um, and a photo in proper business attire. Uh, nothing of yourself, perhaps on the beach or sipping a cocktail. Again, these are people that you're networking. These are colleagues. These are customers. Um, these are business professionals. And if you merely have a picture on your profile, you're seven times more likely to actually be found. So having a picture is extremely important, but in a proper way. And what about keywords? How important are the keywords that, that we should include in our profile? Very, very important. Okay. So part of your keywords would be to have a very compelling headline. So for example, what is your title? Make it very clear and understandable for people to know exactly what you do. And this doesn't necessarily have to be the title that's on your business card. It can be what the way you are presenting yourself, not the way the company you work for has Correct. labeled you, for example. Correct. Exactly. Um, but make sure it's concise and to the point. 
and you want to have a nice summary about yourself, um, allow people to know what you've done, uh, what impact you've made, what are your aspirations. Um, it's similar to before you pick up a book. You want to know, okay, what's this book about before I read more? So you want to give a quick, concise summary about yourself as well. And then the other things are somewhat obvious, but you want to be able to list your experience so people know what you've done and maybe how they can relate to you. And not just to craft it like a CV, but just describe yourself in very short, concise sentences of the impact that you've made at that organization is good enough. And then, of course, you want to have your recommendations on there, your education qualifications, um, subscribing to groups, etc. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average worker stays at his or her job for 4.4 years today. However, 91% of millennials say they expect to stay in a job for less than three years. Experts say that the job-hopping habit of the younger workforce is partially due to the fact that economic instability is the only model they've ever known, and thus they've learned to adapt to it. The Internet has made matching jobs and candidates much easier, but it's also demanded that traditional recruitment techniques and companies adapt to the changes in the industry. And this doesn't seem to be happening as quickly as it should. A 2013 mobile recruitment survey by Simply Hired found that 70% of active job seekers are currently using their mobile devices to search for employment. However, only 7% of employers have a mobile version of their career site, and less than 3% offer the possibility to apply for a job directly through a mobile device. With over 20 years of experience, my next guest is a veteran of the recruitment industry. Nick Marsh is the managing director of Harvey Nash Executive Search for APAC, and I asked him how the internet and social media have changed his job. I think it's changed hugely. Um... Probably 20 years ago, you're right, everybody would have submitted their CV in a nice crisp envelope. And the amount of times I now see a CV in format, it's probably one in a blue moon. So everybody uh, submits everything electronically. Uh, not even that, it's not even email. Now people are submitting via LinkedIn, Facebook. Social media has been a very uh, fast enabler of technology into uh, the recruitment market. But has it actually changed the way recruitment, the way your industry is, is running and the way your business model is and the way you go out and find candidates and ultimately the roles for your clients? So let me answer that in two ways. Mm -hmm. Firstly, the recruitment industry is a very broad and diverse uh, concept. At one end, you have recruitment agencies uh, working really to place candidates that they come across. And the other end, the executive search industry, who are actually going out to find uh, top talent, hard to find, geographically mobile and so on. And we call them headhunters. Headhunters, basically. Yeah. Which is perhaps where you'd see me. Um, <laughs> but the, the large mass recruitment uh, industry has gone through a massive transformation because of social media and technology, uh, where companies are actually starting to utilize those technologies to recruit people directly. Um, and so you'd see that a part of that marketplace has been cannibalized and, and transformed. Uh, companies are inboarding recruitment teams. Uh, to recruit people directly. So um, that part of the marketplace has changed. The executive search industry 
is very much around um, inter, inter uh, uh, people relationships. Uh, it's about trust, it's about uh, knowledge, it's about content, and it's about advice. It's really an advisory service. That part of the industry has used social media and technology to engage and interact with the candidate community uh, and has given the candidate community far greater visibility to jobs that otherwise they may not have been aware of. Who's benefited more from technology, the candidates or the, or the clients? I think it's a great question. The, let's deal with the latter. Clients have got faster recruitment solutions out of the technology. Uh, the time from wanting to hire somebody till that person turning up has shortened quite dramatically. Um, so they've benefited, and the cost of hiring has lowered overall. But equally at the same time, candidates have become more empowered. Um, they've now got their own apps on their phones that enable them to get uh, messages that a particular job has suddenly cropped up. So suddenly the power of um, their own destination, I think, is being put into their own hands. We know that um, we're often told we should make sure that our CVs have the right keywords, have the right buzzwords, because, sure. I mean, let me put it this way. How many CVs are being read by humans versus machines? I, I don't know that, but if I just tell you that I get 300 a day. Um, and you read 300 sorry, a day. I get 300 emails a day, but then okay. within that, you've probably got about um, at least a third of those emails mm -hmm. will have CV attachments of some kind. You multiply that, you know, just in our company, we have 2,000 people worldwide. Um, so you multiply that by the search industry, the recruitment industry, and so on. So um, there are vast numbers of CVs being read by people. Equally, at the same time, you have filtering machines that uh, are enabling companies on a vast scale to really uh, reduce down the, the big bulk of, uh, of opportunities. I mean, three, LinkedIn, 330 million people uh, are on LinkedIn. Now, clearly not all of those people are looking for a job at any one moment in time, but the number of people becoming connected is becoming ubiquitous. ubiquitous. <clears throat> and that ubiquity is causing clearly problems for individuals who are receiving uh, the candidate uh, applications to deal with. And that's where I think technology can really start to add even greater ability to uh, sift and filter through uh, the volumes. There's been um, just very recently an article came out about um, Facebook launching um, a new program that targets recruitment, Facebook at Work. Um, not much is known about it yet. There's some leaked information. That's mm. one aspect of social media, which you mentioned earlier on, has helped the recruitment industry. But do you think it's going to have a, it's going to turn around and suddenly a few of the big social media players are going to start cannibalizing the recruitment industry even more and making it even more difficult for recruitment companies to stand alone? So look, firstly, um Technology has been around in recruitment for the last 15 to 20 years. Um, Monster mm -hmm. was uh, uh, hailed in uh, 1997, 1998 as the end of all recruitment, and it hasn't. Um, it's uh, obviously transformed itself and it's become a different thing. Equally at the moment, LinkedIn seems to have the majority of its space to itself. But the world, if you've been around long enough, it changes. Yes. And technology companies that were the kingpins 10 years ago are no longer. And the ones that were 20 years ago are, are no longer. So, so things change and change rapidly. And typically you're looking at 10, 10, five, 10-year 10 cycles. I don't think that uh, any technology 
will be the death or end of recruitment. But I think it will transform recruitment. Okay, so tell me then, what do you see as being the next big thing in recruitment? So I think it's a great question. The recruitment industry really splits out into two segments, the mass market and the executive recruitment market. I think the mass market will be impacted quite substantially by technology. It will lower the cost of hiring and it will speed up uh, for companies and individuals. The executive market, I think, will change a little bit interestingly uh, too. Firstly, executives are starting to come away from social media because they're being bombarded with sales calls and people wanting to contact them. I see that will accelerate as uh, products like LinkedIn become ubiquitous. Um, therefore, the trusted partner that is executive search uh, becomes more important. CEOs want to rely upon somebody who they can counsel, coach and guide as to who is the best person to hire. And senior individuals will only start taking calls from senior uh, recruiting executives uh, who they trust and who can actually advise them as if they were um, the sports um, advisors. So every sportsman works through a sports agent who's saying, you know, where should I go to? Which, which football team should I join? Which baseball team should I go to? And I do think that that will start to accelerate and executive search firms uh, will become much more a, a, a senior advisor to businesses. And just finally, let me ask you briefly about the the different areas and regions of the world. Are they adapting differently? Are there some places where um, the the digital recruitment side is not as popular and others where perhaps it's the only way? If you look at the states, they're probably the more advanced in, in terms of the development of social media and uh, technology in recruitment. However, Asia has probably the fastest growing mobile usage uh, and I think that's going to have a massive impact upon how individuals in Asia integrate and interact with technology and therefore with their clients. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's it for our show this week. Before I let you go, however, I do have a website and mobile app for you to check out if you are indeed looking to get a new job. Glassdoor is a website where current and former employees anonymously review companies and their management. The site was launched in 2008 and touts itself as a transparent career community. They claim to have over 6 million company reviews, CEO approval ratings, as well as salary and interview reviews. You can, of course, also find actual job postings. Remember to join me, Angelina Draper, next week at the same time for another look at how technology is impacting our lives. And for information on how to download and listen to previous episodes, go to the 28 Tech program page on www.rthk.hk. So are we, so are we, so are we, get serious, get a job, you better get
Get serious, get a job. You better get yourself a job. Get serious.